Hey, sickos. I'm LJ. And I'm Toe. And this is Say Psycho right now. Hey, sickos. Thanks so much for joining us back this week, especially after Toes of the Giggling Granny case last week. Listen, that was a great case. You are hereby like notorious for picking the most iconic lunatics I've ever heard of. Oh, yeah. Just wait until you hear about my next lunatic. Is that the Murdoch murders or a separate one? Because I know we're we're studying uh, several a piece right now. No, so that's gonna be the Elizabeth Smart case. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So I'm gonna dive a little bit deeper into her captor. Not want to give it all away, but he's a real fucking weirdo. I'm excited to hear about that because I will say, like, I, I don't want to go obviously giving away everything for your case, so I'll just keep it short and sweet on this one. But I have watched and just generally consumed media a fair amount regarding that case mm -hmm. and i know when we were talking about the fact that you're covering that case you were mentioning that there was kind of like a deficit of coverage about the actual abductor mm -hmm. uh you know the the criminal i can't remember his name but i'm sure you've got yeah, that down so again not to spoil it all but just there is a story about you know how he came to be the way that he was and so i'm gonna try and go at least a little bit into that in that episode so that'll be that'll be the next episode after this one that that airs that's fantastic I, i'm always so interested in those backgrounds you know what i mean like mm -hmm. there's something to be said for these cases where people are just like real whack jobs i think as people who like you know like i wouldn't say we're <laughs> we're perfectly stable but we're definitely not that messed up it's always no, just kind of like i think it's just i don't know like maybe it interests us because it's like we've been through shit but we don't kill people so right and you know i was reading something the other day and like i really i, I would be interested to like just do more research in general on 
why there's like a portion of the world really who is so like invested in true crime like is it a self-preservation thing is it a trauma response is it like I read somewhere too like in my googles like why am I interested in true crime I know I'm not a murderer (laughs) you know what I mean there was something that was talking about like and I wish I had the source for this but just consider this like a goog a late night goog this wasn't intended to be like on the pod at the time but I, I was reading that a lot of women or self-identifying women in particular are more inclined to be interested in true crime because that is a fact yeah you were gonna give a reason yeah because because of empathy and Mm. just like we have higher levels of empathy and also just like statistically we're at like a more uh, statistical disadvantage like more likely to be a victim of a, an instance of true crime so it's also kind of like a primitive instinct or even a trauma response for some people to like want to consume as much true crime media as they can to kind of like mentally prepare themselves for any scenario that could potentially come up I don't know the accuracy or the validity but I felt like there was something there you know what I mean like I was like I can see that you know yeah I don't know the accuracy on the reasoning but I will tell you bitches love true crime yeah, that's a fact. I mean, we we have not like set up. I mean, now we have. I was gonna say we haven't set up like a, a specific target demographic, other than like you know people who like true crime. Like that's our demographic. But just like by happenstance, like when we go in and we pull our data, it's like ninety seven percent women. Not because we're marketing to women, but because yeah. you know I, th- like- I think there's just more of an interest. I'm not, I'm not going to say what I do for a living just for security purposes, but I will say that in my job, I deal with a lot of people. And if you're a listener who's met me through my job, then you know what that is, but I'm not going to say it on the pod, but I I interact with a lot of people and occasionally I do get to talking about the pod and, you know, I tell people to look us up and I would say probably like roughly 90% of the people that are actually interested are women a majority of the men or male presenting people when they find out it's a true crime podcast they're like oh yeah no you're fucking weird <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i get that i mean john like you and know the women are like oh my god i love true crime absolutely i'm gonna look you up <laughs> and that would be us i'm like now we've officially you guys will by the time this episode airs you guys should have access we've just gotten our samples in in real time (laughs) this is back in mid-march when we're recording this we just got our samples in for the store and stuff and i'm Mm -hmm. like so hyped to wear them in public and have a bunch of crazy bitches like me be like oh my god what is that me get to be like it's me talking about murder (laughs) you know what i mean like come join me like if you're interested i'm excited to meet the other people like us who have that interest check out our merch it's super cute it is super cute you can get that real shameless plug real quick at saypsychorightnow.com it is us we yeah 
And all of the designs have our logo on the back. I know a lot of people love our logo. So yeah, real quick, shameless plug, because when in Rome, if you guys are interested in the merch, it is super cute. You can check that out at saypsychorightnow.com. Right now, we've kind of got a tie-dye thing going. I don't know if that's going to be forever, but at least for right now, like it's a vibe. We're just feeling it. We've got crop tops, t-shirts, sweatshirts. We've also got some like a fleece blanket and even like stickers and the stickers, I made sure to keep them like as cheap as possible because we realized that like if you guys are taking our stickers out and about and like putting them on your car or something, that's advertising for us. So we want to keep costs for stuff like that, especially as low as possible. So mm-hmm. that's like a real quick like add on thing that you could put on and we do take installment payments. So just for your knowledge. Yeah, as of the time of this recording, we have, I think, sorry, what installment payments do we have? Yeah, we can take installment payments via Zip, mm-hmm. Shop Pay, and PayPal for sure. Yeah. But if you're on any other platform that allows you to like go through their browser to shop anywhere. Yeah, like Klarna, for example, I think is one. Yeah, Klarna's one. Like we don't have like a direct plug-in or anything like that that will indicate it, but you should still be able to use Klarna to shop with our store. And as of the time of this recording, we are working on Sezzlin Afterpay, but to be determined. Yeah, to be determined. We, we just, you know, legal paperwork and stuff like that is just underway. There are certain thresholds that we need to be at to be able to get approved and stuff so you know like follow subscribe order some stuff if you can or want to if you don't it's fine but yeah if you do then that shows that we have sales to get us approved with like the big boy sites you know so that would be fantastic and that's enough for like our little plug for right now that kind of just organically happened that wasn't a planned thing i'm just really hyped about my clothes but for right now we can just kind of start getting into oh my god i was gonna say the meat of the case but that feels inappropriate absolutely (laughs) (laughs) okay this is a bad bad episode to decide to say that on so we're just gonna say we're gonna get into it we're just gonna get into it you guys so today we are going to be talking about a case that takes place in colorado where a mother colorado what is going on over there another colorado case or was this already counted in the ones that we were talking about when we were like wait we're having like a weird Colorado situation. Uh, it it might have been already in there. Okay. Okay. Either way, Colorado, get it together. <laughs> get it together. And this Literally, isn't even what like is going like, on over there. Like I I would like to know. So much. And this is not even like an old case. I mean, we're talking like 2010s. You know what I mean? Like things wrapped up. Well, yeah, no. Okay, so from 2010 to 2018, pretty much before they were busted. Okay, so this is not like a, this is an like recent. Okay. Yeah, this is really recent, and this is a mother and daughter duo, right? So we're talking a family business, but this is not a pizza shop, love, bitches. Okay, <laughs> love a good family business, but yeah, except that this family business is a funeral home that they're using as essentially a cover-up for lack of a better word yeah so 
their primary business is that they're a funeral home, right? So they're offering, you know, end of life services in terms of like, you know, the the mortician stuff, like sure, everything that happens, you know, <laughs> all the full service yeah. croak services. Yeah, full croak services, which would include things like in my experience, they would not my personal experience croaking, but you know, I've lost loved ones, including my husband. So I'm pretty, pretty familiar with having to make the tough decisions of like, you know, do you want cremation? Do you want embalming, open casket, closed casket? Like, you know, do we need to get programs done up? Like, yeah, um, it's, you it's know, a lot. We, and it's an overwhelming process. Yeah. And just as a side note, like not to this extent, obviously, I mean, and I don't know much about the case, but I have the gist of it, but this industry can be so predatory. It really can. And just an example from like personal experience, like when I went to go and pick up my husband's ashes, right? They had me sit and wait and of course you know they've got the tissues they've got this like sad peaceful music that you don't want to be listening to playing you've got like a 500 year old man who's like sitting there waiting to talk about his you know inevitable croaking coming up and you're sitting there 20 something waiting for your husband's ashes old guys looking at you you know it's just uncomfortable not a fun day no you're like ugly crying this is not where you want to be in my situation, my wedding would have been in like 34 days from the day that he died. So it was just like a really awful time all around. And this lady approaches me with some tissues. She's like, here, like I brought, I got these for you. And also here's a folder with some information you might want to read. And there are some pamphlets in there for you too. And I'm like, okay, well maybe this is like grief support groups or something. Bitch, no, it was jewelry pamphlets. Like you could get your loved ones like fingerprints on jewelry for like a small fee of like $800 or something. I just pulled that price out of my butt, but it was astronomical, unaffordable, you know, like something we objectively could not afford. And he was already cremated. Yeah, he was already cremated at this point. And so obviously I was there to pick up his ashes. So I like go over to the lady and I'm like, you know, I, I can't afford this, but I, I can't remember if I said this, but it was like fingerprint jewelry, you know, like with their fingerprint. But I was like, if you guys have his fingerprint, like, can I please like have a copy of that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. I, I want that like for myself. Thankfully they didn't push back or anything. Like they, they did give me that. And I was able to go and get a necklace that was, in my opinion, better than the ones that I was looking at, like more of what I want, like more that was my style. And compared to the hundreds of dollars, it was like 45 bucks. And I wore it every, literally, the only reason why I'm not even wearing it right now is because I had to take all my jewelry off to have surgery a couple weeks ago. And I just never got around to putting it back on. You know what I mean? But like, I've still been wearing it a year and a half later. My partner's super supportive of that, which gold star for him but anyway point being that's just like one example of how like predatory and crazy these places can be but that said i do want to give a shout out to like just any morticians and like funeral home service people in general who are doing the job and doing it right because that is a damn damn hard damn hard that's a bad cuss i haven't slept in like 24 hours so ignore that it's just it's a hard job it's a hard Absolutely. thankless job it is it's and a- yeah and, and for somebody to do that and do it well is 
a service that is meaningful and will be meaningful to people for the rest of their lives, whether you hear about it or not, like just thank you from a widow to those of you who are in the business and are doing it right because five salutes are out. (laughs) Come and get yours. Come come and get your salute. So yeah, Um, we're not gonna, yeah. So now that said, the people that we're talking about today, no salutes for you, Glen Coco. <laughs> like, no salutes for them at all. Yeah. So these crazy bitches. So basically, they're using their funeral home as more of like a cover up so that people who are wanting to buy human remains for scientific, medical, or educational purchases are able to buy those body parts from them through the funeral home. So they're like using their funeral home to basically like double dip and turn a profit in a completely different market, if that makes Great. sense. Yeah, so super unethical is the bottom line there. So the first person we're gonna talk about in our case today to get a little more specific, her name is Megan Hess. And she was born on August 16th of 1976 to the second main character here in this story today, her mother, Shirley Koch. Megan was a Leo. And I just like to give these little asides because, you know, we're like spooky people. We like to just kind of get into like the fun part for a second. But Leo's trademark weaknesses are generally their lack of self-awareness which (laughs) megan is like the poster child for a lack of self-awareness if i've ever heard so so i did try to find the date of birth for shirley but not much information was available on that so sorry to not have any like icebreaker on her but i was able to determine that at least at the time of this podcast recording she would be 69 years old and you know, obviously, if I don't know her date of birth, I don't know her zodiac sign, but I can confirm with pretty much sheer confidence that she sucks at least as much as her daughter does. Okay. <laughs> and that That's the apple thing. just doesn't fall far from the tree in this case. They both suck. So, Megan, she was a Colorado funeral home operator until she was accused of giving people fake ashes. So grieving Mm. families were told that these ashes that they were receiving were the ashes of their loved ones, but the ashes they received were really the cremains from bins mixed with the remains of just different cadavers, whoever was on hand, just enough to like appease a family to where they felt like, oh yeah, that's enough ashes. They won't ask questions. Jesus Christ. Christ. Yeah, super disturbing. As somebody who has their husband in a jar on their desk, it's a nice jar. It's an urn, but you know what I mean. Like, you know, as somebody who like has held on to their spouse's remains or whatever, like that's so disturbing just to think yeah. that like, you know, oh, that might be like Fred and Joe and Todd from up the way. Like, no, that's so fucked up. Like I mean, even like, okay, not a a spouse objectively but when i had my dog cremated <laughs> my mom was- <laughs> i love you i'm sorry to poof but y- you know i love and respect your dog loss it- it's very difficult thing to go through sorry continue <laughs> just the transition from husband to dog <laughs> <Listen>. <laughs> uh, 
So LJ, off the pod, LJ and I have talked in depth comparing our husband and dog cremation exactly. experiences, which I think is part of the reason why this is so funny. Exactly. But no, my mom was like, I hope it's really her. Like, I just hope they don't just give you some random dog. And I'm like, that's so disturbing because you just never know. Yeah. But I will say, and this is just like an aside that's like also disturbing. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think that you would agree. I think you have agreed in the past when we talked about it. Yeah. The, the way that your dog was handled throughout their <laughs> passing was so much more respectable than the way my poor husband was. Okay, I so my God love the vets. My dog, you guys. First of all, shout out to my vets because they're great. And and I have a friend that works there as a tech, and and she was great throughout the whole process. But anyways, so my dog came in this like gorgeous wooden box. Okay, so like I was shopping for a custom urn and like I was about to drop so much money on like this custom dog urn because I was like like balls deep in dog grief. Oh yeah. But then I picked her up from the vets and she she was in this like her ashes were in this gorgeous box. Like I'm pretty sure it's like hand carved and it's like really like solid heavy wood. And then if when you open it up it's like beautifully labeled with her name. And it has like a little dry flower attached to the like bag with her actual ashes, and it just like really nicely presented. Um, yeah. And just to like pose the juxtaposition here, that um, fucking word again. I love an opportunity to use that word. So just just to really like give you guys a feel for like just the sheer difference in experiences here. So Toe picks her doggy up in like a glamour engraved wooden box, like fully prepared to have to like purchase an urn and this that whatever. Yeah, I didn't. I did not order that. Like that's just no. that was the standard package. That, that's, that's how just it came. The bare bones, right? Yeah. So I go to get Ian, my husband, and they brought out like, I mean, think like a shoebox but like a little smaller and inside the shoebox there was a baggie that like if I didn't know better I would just think that was like a big old bag of drugs is in there just like sealed (laughs) off some baggie and I brought my own urn because they had said like we can help you like transfer the remains if you want to and when I get there and I see that I'm getting like a shoebox and a ziploc I'm like "Uh, yes please like I don't want to get husband on my shoes like what is going on? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Not only that, but they also lost his wedding ring, which they no. only found when my car broke down. I literally, I got in my car, I strapped my husband's urn into the passenger seat, and I backed up, went to like go and pull out of the parking lot. And like, just when I got to the point where I would be like really inconveniently in the way of anybody trying to get in or, in or out because it was like a one-way situation, yeah. my car broke down there and I just <laughs> like crying. Like my husband's room strapped into the passenger side. He was just transferred over from his shoebox. His ring is still unaccounted for. And so I had to like go back in. My car still blocking everything up. I'm like, my husband's in the car and have a, <laughs> I don't have his ring and now I'm blocking 
up your parking lot. Guys, it was a shit show from start to finish. Anyway, that's on life or end of life experiences for dogs versus people. Do not recommend being a people. <laughs> Absolutely. Bullshit. Like, honestly, I was so touched by that gorgeous box. <laughs> Yeah, I could have stand to have been touched by something because <laughs> God help us all. God um, help all. I think this case is a real testimony to like, you know, unfortunately, like, and I'm not by any, any means saying this about all like people who work in the funeral industry or people who like work in hospice care. Some of, I'm sure the majority of you guys are saints, but there are like a few bad eggs in there. They, like, just don't really seem to have, like, or, get, or maybe they're even, like, desensitized. And they just don't have that, like, sense of humanity and respect for, like, what an end of life really means to the, the deceased and to their loved ones. And these people are that. You know what yeah. I mean? They don't want to give everybody a bad rep, but they are that demographic of this industry. And it's very sad. Um, very, yeah, that's... That's horrible. We just, you know. First-hand victims, so the deceased, they certainly can't advocate for themselves, but they still have family members left behind. Who, and as much as we can highlight, you know, the lives of the people who have been impacted, whether it be the deceased or those, you know, left mourning, that we honor, you know, their role in this as much as possible, as much as the information is available. We're going to try to make it a point to do that today. Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to get into the grand jury indictment and the information regarding the case that was in there. So there is a grand jury indictment. It stated that from 2010 to 2018 that Haas and Ketch met with grieving families and offered to cremate remains and return them to the families at the cost of $1,000 or more. But is, is that like a standard cost? Okay, so I will say that I'm a bit privileged from a financial standpoint, if you can be, when it comes to the funeral expenses. I was in, I mean, we were all in such a state of shock because it was very sudden. But in our situation, Ian's parents flew out right away when they they heard that he passed um love them so much shout out yeah, them. shout out them they are saints on earth best thing that i ever could have inherited if i didn't get a penny from ian passing but i just got them it would have been more than enough they are amazing people but the because of the circumstances you know ian he was not somebody who had money i was not somebody who had money like was a single mom you know i mean i'm yeah, I just didn't have money like that to be able to cover a funeral at the drop of the hat. Not to mention, we'd just thrown every penny that we had. Into your a, wedding. That was supposed to be in 34 days. We'd literally, I'd bought my dress yeah. four days before for like $2,000. You know what I mean? So, For like, context, they were COVID married. For those yeah. Of you, for those of you that don't know us from outside of the pod, they were COVID married. So that's why we're saying husband, but husband. they were planning a wedding. Yes, yeah. it, it was one of those elopements, you know, and then it was just like, okay, well, now we can, like, start planning a wedding and yada yada. So, anyway, point being that they came out and very graciously his family helped to pay for 
his funeral and like the bulk of what I remember from that experience of like sitting down to like talk finances. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm just telling you guys this because this is a case we're gonna where we're gonna need some like icebreakers, you know what I mean? Yeah. If you can have them in, in a case like this, but like comedy relief, you know what I mean? And me and Ian's mom still laugh about this one as sad as the situation is. So the guy who sat down with us, his name was Doc, which is like such a like trademark, like funeral home guy name. I mean, just is that, it? His, his act, well, like fake doctor. I don't know. Like that's how okay. it felt. Yeah, like, that no, was like that... his actual government name was Doc. That's... Yeah. So I was like, okay, weird. Unless your name is Doc, then like shout out all you Docs. <laughs> we love you. We stand. Short for something? like I, I don't know. On his business card, it was literally like, Doc, like not doc- doctor, not like, like just Docatropolis. Doc. Yeah, no, it, it was just ye old doc. <laughs> so, doc, as we're giving him all the information, it's like, you know, the stuff that's going to be on the death certificate, like full name, date of birth, what was his job, like where did he pass? You know, we're going through all of these things just to verify right. that what the Emmy had was correct. And then the guy the guy says was he a junior or senior and i looked at him like he had five heads and i was like who's a junior and then everybody is looking at me doing that like turn your head to the side fast fast blink blink thing like what is she talking about and ian's mom chimes in he's like no he wasn't a junior or senior he was just just ian and then i like got quiet for a second i was like Oh my god, a junior or a senior. I thought you were asking me if he died young or old. <laughs> I was like, why is this even a question? Like, he's young as shit. This is stupid. <laughs> like, this is this is like the insult to injury, like table circle. Like, yeah, like you have you're probably like, what the fuck? I gave you his date of birth. Can't you do exactly. math? Exactly. Oh, I hated Jesus. it. Zero stars. So <laughs> anyway. I hope that gave you guys a little dark humor laugh. You, you gotta laugh or you'll cry, honestly. Absolutely. So, going on further with this case, let's see. Okay, so we were talking about the services of $1,000 or more. I would venture to say that that's probably on the low end of services, just based on my experience, because okay. unfortunately, I had a friend also lose her husband right after Ian, unfortunately, yes. just a few weeks later. And I know that, like, they had to crowdfund for funeral expenses, and they did not get extravagant, and it definitely was an excess of one thousand. I could, I can confirm that much without yeah. their information. You know, as far as cremation goes, because like everybody in my immediate family has been buried, right? So as far as cremation goes, again, dog is the only point of reference that I have. <laughs> yeah. So okay, which, continue. Which is valid. Yeah. So now. At this point in the story, we're at the year 2008. So at this point, Hess creates a nonprofit called the Sunset Mesa Receiving, you know, tax write-offs and financial, I'm sure like grants, donations, things of that nature that would not either otherwise be possible without nonprofit 501c3 status. Okay. Yeah. So at this point, what are they? What are they saying? Like, what are they saying the donations are for? Like families that can't afford funeral expenses. I, I, 
I, that was unclear in my research, but I would certainly imagine that that would have to be in the wheelhouse of the story that they were spinning. Okay, yeah, that checks out. Yeah. So at this point, Hess and Koch would ship the bodies and body parts of these families' loved ones under an alias business name that they created called Donor Services to kind of like separate that from Sunset Mesa intentionally, even though they're really technically they're the same. They're operating out of the same address. They're the same people, right. the same bodies being serviced, if that makes sense. Yeah. So they're they're just double dipping. They have the funeral home and now they have donor services. And the donor services portion was a portion that was created to operate as the body brokerage. Now, okay. under the separate company, they also shipped bodies and body parts of people who had tested positive for infectious diseases, such as hepatitis B and C and HIV, despite telling buyers that these cadavers were disease-free. Oh, great. Yeah. And it was detailed in court records that Koch's role in the scheme was chopping up the bodies. I think that mm. it seems like there was, like, initially, it seems like maybe there was, like, effort to downplay involvement, if that makes sense. Okay. And then that came out from the prosecution and it was kind of like oh true like i did do that so i guess like i kind of was involved <laughs> like yeah 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 that's a pretty integral role there yeah that's a that's a pretty big one that's not like oh like i i had them sign the paperwork but i didn't really read it or understand what they were signing you know what i mean like the families or something like that like if if it wasn't explained to you you didn't take the time to read it like yeah that could be reckless and negligent and you know you, you're involved at that point but is that the same as like you know being fully in the know and chopping up the bodies like nah, no you complacent as fuck yeah nah she she's all in okay she's just trying to cover her own skin but she's definitely like very much involved in this she so, said be right back got a severing arm yeah she said equal partnership sign here Absolutely. um yeah so the department of justice is on record in this case stating then stating that in at least dozens of instances hess and koch did not allow family wishes and neither discussed nor obtained authorization for donor services to transfer descendants' bodies or body parts to third parties. And in the few cases that families agreed to donating, Hess and Koch sold the remains of the dead bodies beyond the family's authorization, which was often limited to things such as small tissue samples, tumors, mm. or parts of skin that maybe were authorized, but they would deliver the entire body. Okay, so wait, body. is is selling body parts legal to some extent? So I'm going to get into that in a minute. Hold okay. that thought because it will not go ignored. I can promise you that. Great, thanks. Perfect. Yeah, no problem. So, but yeah, in addition, they delivered what they claimed were the cremated remains to the families although frequently that was not the case because remember they've over delivered what 
they might have been authorized in some cases to give to these third parties. Okay. You know, in a rare chance that they did receive authorization at all, they were giving more than was authorized, if that makes sense. And then, okay. again, returning back cremains that were, you know, more likely than not, not their deceased loved one because most of their deceased loved one has been body brokered out to a facility. God, so loathe entirely. Truly awful. So we're still going to be focusing here on the prosecutor's filing at this point. So mm-hmm. they really focused on how grotesque the nature of this scheme was. And it this is described not only by the prosecutors, but just pretty widely in media that you'll find on this specific topic is being one of the most significant body part cases in recent U.S. history in terms of body brokerage. As a matter of fact, the federal case was triggered by a 2016 to 2018 Reuters investigative series about the sale of body parts in the United States. And here's where we're going to get into answering some of what you were asking before, Toe. So it's kind of coming coming full circle here. So the sale of body parts in the United States is an unregulated industry. Okay. So a lot of what we're going to be talking about until I tell you otherwise is information that I received from Reuters Investigative and they have articles published online that I use to kind of compile this information. So Reuters received information from former employees that Hess and Koch conducted unauthorized dismemberments of bodies and a few weeks after an expose was published by Reuters on the funeral home, the FBI raided the business. Throughout that process, according to that same article, at least four ex-employees were interviewed about their time working for the duo. The article went on to say that one ex-employee named Carrie Escher, she said that she was especially troubled by the practices of Hess's mother, Shirley, um, who worked at the facility. So Escher and Shirley, that's that's Koch in this in this case. So Etcher and Koch, to minimize any confusion, who embalmed in dismembered bodies, Koch would pull teeth from some of the corpses in an effort to extract the gold in the crowns or fillings. Jesus Christ. Yeah, she, she, this is a direct quote from Carrie. It says, she showed me her collection of gold teeth one day. She had sold a different batch a year prior, and they took the whole family to Disneyland in California on the gold that they cashed in. And that's end quote. When Koch was contacted by Reuters for comment, all she had to offer was, no, thank you. She just didn't, didn't want to talk about it. Just didn't want to talk about it. No, thank you. How about no thank you from the people whose corpses you were meddling with unnecessarily like for reasons that were not essential like just no respect or concern for the dead at all it's so disgusting so anyway back to the legality here in the united states it is illegal to sell organs for transplant 
Um, okay. So we, we have a donor list. I'm sure anybody who's like watched Grey's Anatomy or anything like that, you know, you see these donor lists. These are people who are generally on like, you know, like some type of a registry where if you experience some type of trauma, like a car accident or something like that, and your organs are still viable, you know, or if God forbid, you know, some, just some some trauma where your organs are viable, but you are not. Got me? Yeah. You right. or your family as a proxy, if you're not formally on an organ donation, like, registry, yeah. you, your organs can be no, donated on behalf of your family members if you're not formally, like, if that's not a choice that you formally have made known. Now, organs must be ethically donated to recipients via that list. Like, you okay. cannot just, like, say, oh, okay, well, I've got, you know, my uncle over here, he was in an automobile accident. We're about to pull the plug. I hear that you need a kidney. So if, if you give me $50,000, I'll make sure that that gets passed along right over to you when we go to do things. You know okay. what I mean? Like, yeah. you, you can't do that. Like, that's that's not acceptable. That said, selling body parts that are not viable for transplant, okay. such as heads, arms, spines, any body parts that you would typically see used in research or education. So okay. non-transplant situations, more education, medical exploration, things of that nature. Those are not regulated by federal law in the same way that transplants are. They're actually just not regulated at all. <laughs> so these types of transactions are the ones that Hess and Koch are engaging in in this situation. Few state laws provide any, you know, cushion in that department. There, there's not really any state laws telling them that the sale of body parts, you know, that are not viable for transplant basically nothing telling them what they can or can't do for the most part. Okay. So like technically it's not legal to dissect and sell human body parts, but the issue here is like context is everything, right? Right. So in a medical setting where proper consent has been received, you know, yes, these body parts can be, donated paid for if they're not viable for transplant purposes but where it becomes an issue here from a legality standpoint is the lack of transparency the fraudulent paperwork the deceit in how the bodies were managed you know it, it crosses a line from like oh this is a gray area this is you know we're, we're just selling these non-viable body parts and they're not for transplant, so it's okay. Like, right. no, it's not because you're a funeral director who's double dipping and committing acts of fraud against the families of deceased people and therefore, like, tampering and dismembering, mutilating corpses, essentially, and returning ashes that are not their loved one's ashes to them and then also the the health issues as well like you cannot whether 
you know, it's a transplant or a non-transplant, you can't lie about disease status. That's right. a biohazard. So all of these things are obviously major issues here beyond the fact that they're selling these body parts. It's not the selling, the act of selling okay. that's illegal it's literally everything else in this situation okay that's what i was kind of wondering because i was like wait i didn't think it was legal at all to sell body parts i had no idea that this whole like you know that there was a legal option to sell body parts that this is news to me so yeah and now that said i'm sure that there's like appropriate licensing that has to be done by the places to receive these body parts as well it's sure. not like you can just you can't just your neighbor hears that your loved one passed away and they can't just be like i'll give you twenty thousand for his foot like <laughs> that's that's not going to fly honestly um, if feet are going for twenty thousand like i could possibly like sacrifice a toe. <laughs> oh god <sighs> send help so can I, like, just, like, throw a toe out there? Like, get a couple grand for it? God, I'm pretty sure that's what Feet Finder is for. <laughs> okay, so I actually tried it. <laughs> get out! <laughs> um, I didn't have much luck, so what I found when I got on Feet Finder, not to sidetrack too hard, guys, but again, we need to break this up with some humor, right? So what I found when I got on Feet Finder is that so I'm getting on like with like, you know, I just took some pictures of my freshly pedicured toes in my bedroom, you know? No, these people have intense feet pics. I mean, stop. It is like a staged foot photo shoot. Like, I cannot compete. <laughs> I'm like, I literally, I could never, I could never, not because like, oh, I could never sell pictures of my feet. No, if somebody was stupid enough to pay for photos of my toes like I, I would probably do it i could use a buck however my feet are nasty and nobody wants to see that shit just because of <laughs> you know injuries i've had to my feet and stuff like yeah. it's just a no for me dog like <laughs> y'all don't yeah. want to see it. so i thought like here i thought if i just like got a cute little pedicure like i would be golden and good to go no when I tell you, shout out to these people on Feet Finder because they are really putting in the work out here, you guys. The the intense feet photo shoots are like, I mean, not your mama's pedicure. It's not. It's it's so <laughs> competitive. That's like, hilarious. If you, you go, can, girls, way yeah. to milk it for what you can. Honestly, yeah, honestly, it's really it's 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 no joke. It's a very serious endeavor, and I applaud the feet finder people that are you know making all this money because I it wasn't <laughs> because uh, Toe was not prepared for the Toe competition. <laughs> he was like, I but I am Toe. <laughs> <laughs> like it I literally, not it's not, it enough not enough to be a literal whole entire toe. God, all right. 
So, no way to segue here, really, but we got to get back on track just for the sake of getting back on track. Although I do appreciate your anecdote because it did offer the comedic relief that I'm sure we all needed for a moment. So, when Americans leave their body to science, they are also donating to commerce, essentially. So, cadavers and body parts, especially those of... uh, Poor people, so like people in a lower socioeconomical demographic, they are the people who are more likely to end up in the event of their passing being, you know, essentially sold in a thriving and largely unregulated market. Their their body parts are more likely to be sold. And the reason I hate that. I know it's very classist and predatory which is why like i feel like it's really important to talk about this as well because this is a part of the case even though we're not specifically talking about hess and koch we are because this is what they're doing so people in lower socioeconomic classes who engage in sex work or are homeless or you know maybe suffer from some type of drug addiction you know things that are going to hinder them from a social status from an economic status the people that society considers to be disposable exactly they're at higher risk of falling victim to this for-profit cadaver market and the reason for that is because their bodies are more likely to be disposed of via donation to science for profit if their bodies remain unclaimed. So these Jane Doe's, these John gotcha. Doe's, yeah. who, you know, are never identified because some law enforcement officers don't think that they take priority because of the manner in which they were found or what came back on their toxicology report or you know, what corner they were found on, if you guys follow me. These are the people who are more likely to fall victim to that type of for-profit market rather than to, you know, be potentially reunited with their families to receive some much-needed closure. There's also a practice of offering cremations for free or discounted rates in exchange for signing a release for body part donations. And again, this practice is predatory because there are people like, imagine in my circumstance, like with Ian, God forbid if his parents or his grandma hadn't come together to help in this situation and make sure that we were able to take care of his funeral expenses, if it was all on me and they had said, look, you know, we can offer cremations for free, but in exchange, we're going to need X, Y, Z body parts. What choice would I would have had? You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. And so I definitely, again, I acknowledge how privileged I was to have family that was able to assist in that situation because there are many people in a position just like mine who just, I'm sure do not have the same support system and they fall victim to these, you know, scams. I mean, it's, I don't know if scams is the right word, but it's, it's predatory practice. Yeah. Predatory sure. practices. There we go. Thank you for that. You can, you can say it's not a scam, but it's like not a scam on like a technicality. Exactly. Now in, in Hess and Koch's spe- specific situation, like I'm confident we can just call it a scam. It is what it is. For sure. But in, in 
just being more comprehensive and like more of like a blanket statement for this practice in general, you put it perfectly. It's just a predatory practice. And yeah, just just not a scam off a of technicality. And quite frankly, that's bullshit. So getting back into our perpetrators specifically, Hess committed crimes when she defrauded relatives of the deceased by lying about cremations and dissecting bodies and selling them without permission, obviously. Okay. Um, so the surgical training companies and other firms which bought these body parts, so like arms, legs, heads, and torsos, sorry to be graphic, but these are like the specific body parts that are listed to have been sold a lot of the times. Right. Uh, they actually did not know the origin of these body parts or that they'd been fraudulently obtained so there's that as well they're they're conducting their business as usual not knowing at all that they're receiving body parts that had not been consented to being dispersed body parts that are potentially biohazardous so the companies were not prosecuted because they did not have that information the, the okay. documents were fraudulated so I'm going back here. I'm going to read an excerpt from an article published by the Reuters investigation that we've been talking about. Start quote. As with other commodities, prices for bodies and body parts fluctuate with market conditions. Generally, a broker can sell a donated human body for about three to five thousand, though prices sometimes top than ten thousand. But a broker will typically divide a cadaver into six parts to meet customer needs. Internal documents from seven brokers show a range of prices for body parts. And then it goes on to itemize some. So we have $3,575 for a torso with legs, $500 for a head, $350 for a foot, $300 for a spine. Body broker. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so I, mean, I feel like a head should go for more. Okay, I was thinking that too. I'm like, that's literally like I know it's not somebody's identity, but it is though. Yeah. And like your whole brain, like your whole noodles, like right up in there, just feels important. I get that a torso has like more organs, you know. Mm, um, I guess that's fair. I, I guess that checks out, but it just feels like the brain is like pretty freaking valuable, you know. I don't know for sure. Uh, but I'm not the one making the prices, so don't at me. Yeah, I mean, like, not that we should just be selling body parts in general, but... Yeah, exactly. I'm like, maybe just, like, chill with that practice in general. For sure. So, continuing on with this excerpt that I'm going to read for you guys, it says, Body brokers also have become in intertwined with the American funeral industry. At the time of the article, Reuters identified 62 funeral operators that have struck mutually beneficial business arrangements with brokers. The funeral homes provide brokers access to potential donors, and in return, the brokers pay morticians referral fees ranging from $300 to $1,430, according to broker ledgers and court records. These payments generate income for morticians to be able to provide to families who might not be able to otherwise afford even a simple cremation. But such relationships raise potential conflicts of interest by creating an incentive for funeral homes to encourage grieving relatives to consider body donation, sometimes yeah. without fully understanding what might happen to the remains. 
it, this is a long excerpt, guys, so bear with me. But I feel like this has a lot of valuable information. So just note this is still a direct quote, okay? This is Steve Palmer talking at this point. He says, some funeral home directors are saying cremation isn't paying the bills anymore. So let me see if I can help harvest or help people harvest body parts. He says, I just think families who donate loved ones would have second thoughts if they knew that, like that these body parts are being harvested mm. and that the funeral home is receiving a cut for this, you know? And Steve Palmer's credentials, just that you guys are aware, he's an Arizona mortician who serves on the National Funeral Directors Association Policies Board. Okay. So he's a reputable guy on this topic. Sure. Yeah. So some morticians have made body donation part of their own businesses, like we were referencing above. In Oklahoma, we have it documented that two funeral home owners invested $650,000 in a startup body broker, firm, body broker firm. In Colorado, a family operating a funeral home ran a company that dissected and distributed body parts from the same building. So when a body is donated, few states provide rules governing dismemberment or use or offer any rights to a donor's next of kin. Bodies mm. and body parts can be bought, sold, and leased again and again. As a result, it can be difficult to track what comes of the bodies of the donors, let alone ensure that they are handled with dignity. Okay. Yeah, so we're going into now the actual court hearings with Hess and Koch. And we're going to get into the, the victims' families here because I think that part, like we talked about before, this is arguably the most important part, I would say. You know, obviously policy is important. We want policy changes and we want sure. you know, more oversight, things like that, of course. But at the end of the day, these are real people who have really been through something very traumatic with how their loved ones have been handled and some of them had things to say. So we're, we're going to get into that now. So in court, 26 victims of Hess and Koch's scheme came forward and just shared this horrifying, their, their own horrifying experiences of what they dealt with during the grieving process and the funeral processes with their loved ones. One woman in, in particular who came forward was Erin Smith. And she said that her mother was a very, very sweet woman. And, you know, that that's really all it said was that she was very sweet and then went on to be dismembered with her shoulders, knees, and feet all sold for profit. And, you know, that's not something that they consented to. And in that situation, like, it's just disgusting. You know, you can't just, you can't just uh. take the liberty of deciding to do that. So Shirley Koch, Megan's mother, she was the one that primarily operated the Sunset Mesa Funeral Home. She was indicted. Well, I guess they were both indicted rather, but she was the one who like, you know, really was the primary. She tried to put it off on her daughter being like, oh, well, you know, I kind of like passed the torch. Like, no, you didn't, Shirley. <laughs> no, you didn't. They were both equally guilty. So they were both indicted in 2020 for six counts of mail fraud 
and three counts of illegal transportation of hazardous materials and for aiding and abetting. So both Hess and Koch had originally entered pleas of not guilty in Grand Junction, but changed their pleas to guilty to enter plea deals to reduce the sentence and drop the other more serious charges. Their plea deals required guilty pleas to mail fraud and aiding and abetting, but notably drops the three counts of illegal transportation of hazardous materials. Hess was sentenced to 20 years in federal prison on January 3rd of 2023. So very, very recent from the time that we're recording this. Yeah. When the sentencing's actually, sentencing's actually took place. My God. That fucking time. Yeah. And then Koch was sentenced to 15 years. Okay. Um, kind of unclear as to why, like, Hess got 20, Koch got 15. There wasn't really an information that I could see, you know, that made that clear. But I, I do mm. wonder about that. If you, if um, you know, or or local, and maybe have more insight than I was able to find, definitely drop a comment. I would be. Impressed. I wonder if the one that got less maybe took a deal to kind of like give more information on yeah. the other party, which is very possible. I just wish that that information had been more readily accessible but I, I couldn't pinpoint it so sure. if anybody knows for sure like drop a line I, I would really be intrigued to know so they were given sentences that punished them for the defrauding of relatives of the deceased by dissecting 560 corpses Jesus and body parts without permission I know that's insane specifically they were punished for the mail fraud charges they were fraudulating the donor forms with forged signatures and shipping body parts to third-party companies that these third parties, you know, we talked about, they didn't realize that they were being illegally obtained. Sure. Uh, yeah. So I can only imagine how devastating it must be to the families to have the most serious and deplorable charges dropped. I don't yeah. know why they needed a plea deal you know what i mean like i just why you know those little like why though memes that's my brain right now like why though why? yeah for sure so, but my, my heart really does go out to the, the victims families because i just i feel like they should be sitting a lot longer than they are the judge who oversaw the case vocalized concern that hess didn't seem to assume any responsibility for the crime or show remorse so instead of offering any bail or anything like that they, they were just both ordered to prison immediately i know we're, we're backtracking a bit i probably should have said that earlier but you know because this would have been before the actual sentencing you know what i mean so the defense at the sentencing the defense took the stance that hess was being vilified as a monster and they argued that she has made poor decisions as a direct result of a traumatic brain injury that she had experienced when she was mm. eight which that is like a trademark thing in a lot of cases that we cover where we see yeah. giggling granny hello yeah yeah and didn't don't quote me on this because i don't want to misspeak i've consumed so much true crime lately but did Dennis Nelson have a head injury? I felt that he did. Ooh, but I could be wrong. You know what? Not that I can remember, but I could be forgetting. 
Okay. Did... I, I should know that because I covered that case, but... I need to Google it right now. Did Dennis Nelson have a head injury? There is little... Okay. He didn't suffer a head injury, so I apologize for that. Okay. I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking of Jeffrey Dahmer because there's so much correlation mm. between Dahmer and Nelson. I know Dahmer's a lot more notorious. They, ca- they kind of even look alike. Yeah, it, it was weird when we were looking at that case. So just maybe because I... I know that Dahmer's like a more, I hate to say the word popular in this sense, but he's definitely a more like notorious and notorious serial killer, at least here in the US. I think th- I just felt like there was a lot of overlap yeah. between the two and they ran together a bit. But yeah, no, no head injury there. But it is a very common thing that we see in people who commit like really heinous crimes and uh, yeah so that that was their defense was that she had received a tbi a traumatic brain injury but has declined to speak with the judge yeah she just didn't want to koch did offer an apology in court and took responsibility but i think we can all pretty much agree that the apology was like too little too late i also kind of wonder if you know, Koch being sentenced like a little less was just because she was more apologetic. Maybe that's the vibe. That uh, could be that. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's the only thing I can really think of. I have to just like infer that. But if you guys know differently, let us know. Let's see. So according to an article from Connecting Directors, Joy Christian, the daughter of Anne Holland, whose husband was dismembered without her consent, stated that she felt no remorse at all from the defendants. She said, I'm a Christian and I believe in forgiveness and I was willing to forgive that or I was willing to give that to them in the courthouse, but I won't forget. It's been a terrible, terrible trauma to the entire family. The article goes on to say that in addition to the prison terms, Hess and Koch both face multiple $250 fines and have been named in seven lawsuits totaling millions of dollars. In pre-sentencing statements, however, the women's attorneys argued that they, quote, didn't get rich, end quote, from the scheme, saying that Hess drives a 16-year-old car and is deep in debt. It seems that defense's goal was to minimize these profoundly selfish crimes which is an insult to the voiceless victims and their families. Wow, you didn't get rich, so why did you keep fucking doing it? Exactly. Like, like I mean, it's a horrible crime. Don't get me wrong. But, like, I mean, if they were making millions off of it, I could at least see... Motive, I Motive, guess. yeah. But, like, I mean, if you're just, like... It's like, so you're telling me it wasn't lucrative and also you're just a piece of shit out there dismembering bodies for literally no reason. I mean, either way, it's completely deplorable and they shouldn't be doing it. But I feel like that's insult to injury. Just yeah, to I like, just, I feel like that's a horrible defense because I feel like it just makes the whole thing worse. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's just literally no, no redeeming quality there in that defense like if that's your defense like just quit your lawyer job because honestly is, bad uh, job doing your lawyer job I'll try harder next time so yeah this case was different than a lot of the ones that we covered although interestingly you know what i was thinking as i was working on our calendar 
is this is a little bit reminiscent, not in in the same right, but I think you can understand where my head is at, mm. of the Amelia Dyer case. Just like different vibes, but similar like predatory practices, just yeah. different demographic and time. Yeah, kind of. A little bit. Yeah. There's just overlap, you know There's what I mean? Overlap in the in the you know, like why didn't you choose a different career? Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, these are not like cases that we find every day. You know what I mean? It's not like mm, yeah. I guess it's not like and I hate to say this because I don't wanna trivialize anybody's situation or make it sound that way, but I hope you guys can understand what I mean when I say it's not like our quote unquote typical murder or quote unquote typical case because it's just different than what you're going to get on a lot of other true crime networks. You know what I mean? Because they, they tend to focus yeah. on, you know, kind of like just a homicide or like a. Yeah. No, you know I mean, I, we even say it all the time. Like, I'm like, I need something that's not a murder. Yeah. And, and sometimes we have to like, find one that's not not like a, a homicide you know what i mean not yeah. to say that these cases are good or better or you know what i mean they're obviously they're all bad this is a morbidly themed show but it, talking about murder specifically all the time can be a little rough and sometimes we need like yeah. a different different avenue you know what i mean if, sure. I'm sure that other people who routinely consume true crime media can understand that. And it doesn't minimize at all what other people's trauma or experiences are because these are all awful, bad stories. But I'm sure you guys can understand. Yeah. Okay. So this has gone on for quite some time now. You guys have been so patient and amazing. I hope that we all learned something a little new today okay, toe learned a lot new today toe Good. yeah i had no idea that body sales were a thing yeah, i was like i don't like what i learned however i learned <laughs> this education is good yeah, so um well i'm glad that we could um open up a dialogue about this topic especially as it relates to party groups and people in you know, at-risk populations who are more yeah. likely to fall prey to these awful, you know, schemes. I, I feel like they're a scheme, whether legally they are or not. You know, the minority people are often victimized, targeted, etc. And people profit off of that. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I'm glad that we were able to at least open up that dialogue here today and maybe explore an avenue or a story that you guys haven't really heard much about. And if you guys, I, I don't want to say enjoyed the content, but enjoyed hanging out with us, I guess, and learning some new information, make yeah. sure that you hit that follow button. Or like if you enjoyed time. hearing about the cremation of my dog, that's... <laughs> Like, maybe seek therapy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So, and if you have any case suggestions that you would like to send to us, you can do that at now at gmail.com and LJ will promptly sort your email into a color-coded folder and one of us will get back to you. It Probably will be LJ. Me. Yeah. <laughs> 
I am looking into my crystal ball and I see in my future that it is me answering your email. You know what? I think I've done really good. Right. I was just about to say we have different strengths, you know what I mean? And you've been doing well, keeping up with my coded email and yeah um, because I couldn't find things for a while but I'm learning now yeah because I have like 50,000 tabs it's like legal for me me going into our email is like when you walk into your new friend's house and they're like yeah help yourself to like whatever you want to eat but you don't know where the fuck they keep the forks yeah yeah but you're like I can't just ask them where they keep the forks because I feel like I should know that like they're gonna say i keep them in the fork drawer what the fuck is wrong with you (laughs) and that's pretty much how it is she's like where's like our llc paperwork i'm like it's in the legal folder duh (laughs) it's bad yeah but if you have case suggestions that you want to send us you can send them there or if you just want to tell us we suck or if you want to say you know why didn't you buy your dog a custom urn that's fine whatever why are you guys talking about dying so much like literally welcome to the brand sorry (laughs) to be that for you (laughs) have you met us are you new here so yeah or we are also on facebook i'm in with that one because i know that one stumps you still which is a big big long name (laughs) so i just wanted to make sure that it was like searchable to people like that it would you know be clear that we're a podcast say psycho now colon a true crime and podcast, or a true crime and paranormal podcast. I don't even know who we are this week. So, yeah, but Facebook is like probably the platform where we're the most active. We are on Instagram as well, and we're trying to do better over there. And we are on TikTok, but stay tuned for that because we don't yeah. know how to TikTok yet. Now, mayhap by the time this episode airs, maybe we'll have gotten our TikTok shit together. But at least as of the time of this recording. I hope we do. I hear TikTok's a party and we should be there. That's- I hear it too. I think right now, kind of just so that you guys can understand where we're at, it's not that we don't want to do it. But in the early stages, there are a lot of things that you guys don't see that we're having to do. Filing an LLC, getting the EIN number, setting up the website, business cards, doing this. There's so much that people like don't know goes yeah. into this, especially considering that we're making nothing. <laughs> like, learning how to learning how to edit has yeah. been has been my my struggle yeah sure. but she's been killing it though like she's learned a yeah. whole new skill that you know we were just paying somebody to do that for us yeah. episodes ago and now she's and producing the same type of quality yeah and unfortunately we realized that outsourcing our editing at least within the price range that we can afford we were struggling to find i guess consistent reliable service so right because it's people who like it's not that's not their full-time gig for the prices they're charging you know what i mean so Um, we decided i decided that i would learn how to edit myself and yeah and when she comes in april she's gonna teach me how to do it so that i can help with that too but that's what i mean when i say like we have our different strengths you know like yeah and there's just a lot going on behind the scenes we're both pretty much dedicating most of our free time to the pod no absolutely i mean i've got i work full time i've got two kids i'm recovering from surgery and if i'm not doing the pod or working or tending to my children or low-key playing animal crossing (laughs) 
RIP self, then I'm doing the pod and mostly it is the pod. So it's the pod. Uh, I hope that you guys are enjoying it at least because we do love creating it. But yeah. if you love it, if you're enjoying it, please consider checking out our Patreon. Patreon is what gives us our money for right now mm, patrons um, are special they're super special so basically if you subscribe on patreon the lowest tier is three dollars a month measly little dollars that's yeah it. less than a starbies you guys less than a starbies do you love me less than a starbies if you do if you love me less than a starbies <laughs> it's only three dollars oh my god uh, i love you more than a thousand starbies but that's oh my just my god name subscribe then to what are you doing <laughs> god but yeah no so the patreon obviously is a really good source for us to start like generating some income if for whatever reason you can't get at us on patreon you can't subscribe we hear you we see you this podcast is still for you but please consider like engagement like yeah. share invite friends comment. comment those things help our algorithm it helps a lot and eventually what will happen is for our numbers get us to where we need to be we'll get sponsorships from like actual companies who have dollars and they'll be able to be the ones who pay us which would be great because then you know i mean we've literally put hours this is like a full-time job for us on top of a full-time job so yeah it's we love doing it and we're obviously we're doing it for free so we love it but you know if more people help support it we can do more of it give you guys better content and better content more frequent content a lot of things and that's the goal yeah and, and if if you're in the wheelhouse of like oh i don't know if i want to do like a monthly thing you can check out our website like we were talking about in the beginning that's say psycho right now.com if you go there we have some cool merch so even if you just like snag up a snicker snicker snag a snicker too that sounds great actually but snag a sticker and slap yeah. it on your car that's advertising for us babies i'm gonna pass on the snickers but oh yeah diabetic woes <laughs> if, Absolutely. If, if you medically cannot do not have a snickers got me yeah don't have a snickers if you're gonna have a medical crisis about it but but do yeah. have a sticker do have a sticker and actually you know if you subscribe to i think is it the is it the two highest tiers or the yeah so we have the ten dollar tier and the fifteen dollar tier in patreon mm -hmm. if you subscribe to those for three consecutive months not only do you get access to a wide range of benefits which you'll need to check out on patreon because they're pretty comprehensive once we start getting into those tiers but you will also get on your third consecutive month of being a patron you will get a sticker and it's a special sticker of our logo which we think is really really cool shout out to savannah's shenanigans she basically yeah. plucked the image concept that toe and i had discussed out, out of our, our brain cases. and like she is just such like she has so much range as an artist she's done work for me in the past on some of my other business endeavors and like i've seen her develop her art over time and other projects she's done and when we're talking about a dynamic artist i just need to say like whoa whoa like this is not her usual style and yet she took the assignment understood it executed it passed with flying colors and continues to be the only person that I will pay for artwork for the rest of my life besides tattoo artists because you know whatever I mean I maybe I'll get art from somebody else but not for this business no me I'm Savannah all day
all day. Yeah, no, she's great. Check her out. Check her out. And she's she's really great to work with too. She's just all around great, great job. Five part um, human. So yeah, highly recommend. Again, we'll we'll wrap this up at this point. I know we're getting lengthy, but we just want to shout out where shout out is due because she really has done a great job in helping us with that. Yeah, like, I mean, I mean, she effectively created our brand with the plague mask people. So absolutely, that's what I was gonna say. Todd, oh, we're so cute. Oh, okay, guys. Well, we love you so much. Thank you for putting up with our side conversations, our banter, our general like selves. <laughs> Thanks for putting up with us. <laughs> And we will see you next week. Wrapping up the shit show. Toodaloo. Toodaloo. Stealing your line, bitch. Oh no! Did we perform a fuckeroni?